Let's open with prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, we have the opportunity to worship you. Thank you, Lord, that we can call upon you for healing, for well-being, for deliverance. We thank you, Lord Jesus, the all-encompassing king, the ruler of the universe. All power has been given to you. Lord, you transfer that power to your church. We are your hands and feet. We are your voices. We prayed you for that, Lord. Now today I pray, Lord, we have open ears, willing hearts, clear minds, Lord, to receive your word. Father, use my abilities, whatever they are, Lord, to proclaim your word and glorify you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. One time they asked a man, they said, uh, what color are your pastor's eyes? And the guy thought about it for a minute. He said, well, you know, whenever he prays, he's got his eyes shut. And when he preaches, I shut mine. <laughs> so. Last, uh, last week, Pastor Mike uh, told us uh, the story of Jesus coming out party. Proclaiming who he was, and after all the miracles and everything he did, marvelous things he did, heaven came to earth in a man, and he was, I think Mike might use the term, showing off. Well, it'd be hard to resist that, wouldn't it? If you were God and you came down to earth and you've seen all the things that were wrong with everybody, and you just go around, heal them, speak to them, stop a funeral, and said, nope, get up, come on. Let's live. He's done all these things. And then he started asking, who do, you say, who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? And so that was his coming out party. Well, today uh, we're going through, those of you that are visitors here, we're going through uh, the book, The Story. It's a... Um, shaken down version, uh, very easy to read of the Bible. And we've been going through that now. This is week 26. And today is, we're going to talk about the darkest hour. Probably the darkest hour that ever came to earth up to this point. And I've titled my message... I have to look and see. But I think it's like the punishment and crucifixion of his holiness. Now you look at a title like that, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would you have to punish and crucify someone that's holy? But he came down this earth where evil reigns. And therefore, he went before the hierarchy of religion in that day. There was none higher than the Pharisees. And he went before them. And this is where our story goes. We're going to start out and we're going to stay mainly in Matthew uh, chapter 26 and 27. <clears throat> and we're going to be in the evening, uh, the night that he was betrayed, the Bible says. 
that they had a Passover meal, which was the meal that celebrates the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And so they celebrated that every year. And so Jesus had instructed the disciples, go and see this man and, and tell him what we need it for, and we'll have a room. He'll give us a room. Sure enough, he went to the man. Yeah, I've got a room for you. So they went into the room, and he, he does several things to set them up for this evening and the next few days. He takes off his garment, his outer garment, and he has just his underclothing on. Now, uh, kings don't do that. They never do that. They do not show their bodies like that. But he did that. He laid his cloak down. And then he got a pan of water, and he started washing their feet. Now, when you're king of the universe, you don't wash people's feet. When you're God, you don't wash people's feet. But he did. He was showing them what servanthood is like. He was showing them what the greatest being on earth is going to do. And it was a, a uh, prelude to the next coming days. And so he had them wash their feet. Or he, had, he had washed all their feet in uh, dusty old Israel, open-toed sandals. And, of course, Peter, our good friend Peter, says, Lord, if you're going to wash my feet, you're going to wash all of me. So there was really a time when there was really a closeness to that supper. In verse 26, we read, And thou, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he, had given, uh, when he had taken a cup, given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, uh, drink, for, uh, drink from it, all of it. He says something very profound, and we're going to go back to this at the later end of my sermon. He says, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In Luke 22, it actually says, this is a new covenant. Very, very, very keen, very keen, very, very, very important. And we'll go back to that later. So after they sang a hymn, and like I say, it was a very intimate, close night. And uh, Jesus says, you're going to fall away. You're all going to scatter. And it shocked them. They were actually grieved. They said, what? We're going to fall away from you? And Peter says, oh no, well, they might, but I'm not going to. There is no way. I'm going right, I, wherever you go, I'm going. <clears throat> so after that encounter, they went to the garden. Most are familiar with that story, where they go to the garden. And he says, keep watch here while I pray. And so he goes to pray, and he comes back, they're sleeping. He says, can't you, can't you just hang in there for an hour for me? He says something that's, again, very profound. He said, you know, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Just a little insight into this. This will tell us what kind of beings we are. We're flesh and spirit. That'll come up later on in our story here. Flesh is willing, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He goes back to pray again. He comes back, they're sleeping. 
He goes back to pray. He comes back. They're sleeping. He finally says, okay, all right, the time, the hour has come. The time has come. And so they are now greeted by soldiers and, of course, by Judas, who was one of the 12 that betrayed him. Betrayed him. And so now he is taken captive. They lead him now to uh, Caiaphas, who is a high priest, the highest of the high that they have in the land. They take him before the high priest. And, of course, Peter was following along in the courtyard. He actually goes into the, into the court to listen to this. And there he, there he is. He's, he's listening to all this. And now the chief priests and the whole council and the elders and everybody is getting together and they're saying, crucify this guy. He's guilty. Well, they can't find anything. Verse 59 of uh, chapter 26 in Matthew says, uh, Now the chief priests and the whole council trying to keep, uh, obtain false testimony against Jesus and put him to death. And they couldn't find any. And uh, so they're groping. Here comes two guys and they say, uh, You know what this guy said? He said he's going to destroy the temple in three days they're going to build it again. Yeah, okay. Kind of heavy, maybe not. So they ask Jesus about this. Of course, he just keeps silent. Finally, they say to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you're Christ or the Son of God. Are you really him? This is what Jesus said. You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm just going to confirm it. He said, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. That's it. That's it. That's what we're looking for. They tear their robes off. They, they rip their robes. Ah, see what he did? That's it. That, that's what we're talking about here. That's blasphemy. We're not going to have that. So it gets real ugly then. Now remember, Peter is watching this. So it gets real ugly now. Now they spit on him. Now these are the highest church members in the world. They spit on him, they curse him, they kick at him, they slap him. All these things they're doing to him. This is the best church there is on earth. Now they're mocking him, they're saying, prophesy, prophesy. Who hit you? Who are you? Who are you now? And now Peter slips outside the court a little bit. There's a servant girl comes up to him and says, weren't you one of them guys? Oh, no, no, no. Very calm, he said, uh, no, no, I, no, I wouldn't. Have. A little while later, a second servant girl says, aren't you, aren't you one of them guys? Well, this time he, he, he swears by an oath. In other words, we're getting a little deep here now in our, in our uh, telling a lie, if you will. Now he's saying an oath is something that if, if I say this and it isn't truth, something's going to happen to me. That's an oath. So he's, he's, he's at that stage now. So now, <clears throat> remember back in uh, verse 35 where he said, uh, Lord, I'm going to the end of the earth for you. Now, you know, I don't want to pick on Peter. Everybody does. We all, the church loves to pick on Peter, but that's really us. That's really me. That's really worse. I'm worse than that. Most of us are. 
But we see a real description of, of, of uh, humanity here. And then uh, uh, bystanders are starting to say, hey, you know, wait a minute, that guy talks a little bit different. He's got a kind of a dialect, you know. He's saying this and that and thou and stuff like that, you know. Well, not really. They didn't say that. He's <laughs> Galilean or something. And they said, ah, oh, listen to this. Hey, 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 you're one of them. This time he curses. He curses and swears and says, no, I'm not, I'm not one of them. And of course, we know what happens after that. Peter goes out and this rooster crows because the Lord told him before the rooster crows two times, you're going to deny me three times. And the rooster crows and he remembers that and he just crumbles. Weeps, weeps bitterly. Remembering the Lord's words. Now, at this time, they have Jesus under arrest. They take him before Pilate. Now we're slipping him in front of the Roman government. We're no longer under church government because the Jews are not allowed to crucify. They want him crucified. And so they stand, he stands before Pilate. He says, who are you? Are you king of the Jews? Jesus says, it is as you say. And so they're gathered together, and Pilate has a hard time finding fault with him. He really has a hard time. I don't get this. What's wrong? This, guy's, this guy's not guilty of anything, really. Well, then his wife has a dream. And she tells him about dreams. She says, you know what? This was something horrible. That, that about, there's something about killing this man that isn't going to be good. I think we ought to listen to that. Well, Pilate just washes his hands up and says, no, no it's, I'm, I'm out of this. this is, you guys can have him, whatever you want. And so, again, now the soldiers take him, and now they weave a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and slap him, kick him, spit on him, do some more of those things. And they ask if you want a prisoner release. At that time, you could re- release a prisoner. So who do they release? They release Barabbas a very um, notorious, the Bible says, notorious criminal. Now release Barabbas. Keep Jesus. Let's crucify him. So they beat him severely. Pilate had to do something. They couldn't just turn him loose. So they beat him severely. And they take him now outside the city because you don't crucify inside the city. They take him outside the city, and we all know it was a place called Golgotha. And to further the mocking, they put a sign above the cross that says, Hail, King of the Jews. I mean, they're just going all the way on this thing. You know, they're just saying, you know, this is going to be, you know, let, let's just have fun with this. The King of Glory. And so they put the sign up. They're hurling abuse at him. They're mocking him. And about the ninth hour, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he's dying. And he cries out, he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? We have to remember that every sin that's ever been committed or will be committed was laid on him. Every curse there ever was was laid on him. He took every curse, every one. 
everyone, every sin, every curse. He took them all. I think the separation from God as Heavenly Father was more painful than anything. More painful than probably taking on our sins. And yet he continues this. He even asked in the garden, he said, if there's another way, let's do it that way. But he said, no, if it's your will, Father, let's do it your way. And Jesus cries out again. Matthew and Mark do not record what he said, his very last words. But uh, Luke and John do. One of them says, it's finished. And the other one says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Now another interesting thing, remember back in the garden where he told the disciples, he said, you know, you know, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now we see Jesus. As a, he was a, also a body, soul, spirit being. He gave up his spirit. When he passed on, when he died, his body died. His spirit still lived. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. Next week, probably, Pastor Mike will be, he will be speaking on the resurrection, and we'll see the next phase of the story. But what I want to do now is I want to go back to Matthew uh, 26, and I want to go back to the Supper, to the Lord's Supper, where he said this is uh, where he held up the bread and said, this is my body given for you. And he held up the cup of wine and he said, this is the new covenant of my blood. This represents my blood. Mike, if, could you show that uh, on the screen, the comparison? I asked Mike uh, this morning if he would put this up. I don't know uh, how clear it's going to be for you. I didn't do him any favors by being real just a few minutes, but thank you, Mike. But I'll read them along. It might look overwhelming to you. It might look kind of small to you, too. <laughs> but uh, it might look overwhelming to you, but I'm just going to go through it. It's, it's really quite simple. It, it simplifies everything. Sometimes when we look at covenants... Today we don't hear of covenants much. What are we talking about with covenants? Covenants are basically an agreement between two people, two businesses, to a person in a business, those kind of things. And they agree to do the same thing. If I do this, you'll do this for me. If you do this, I'll do this for you. And God made lots of covenants uh, in the Bible, just a few of them uh, that we look at is the, the covenant in the Garden of Eden, where he told the, uh, Adam and Eve, he told them, he said, you can, this, this is your, everything, this whole garden, is everything is yours. But don't go to the tree and eat any fruit off of that tree of good and evil. Because if you do, you're going to die. Well, that was a covenant. He said, I'll do this. I gave you all this, 
But if you do that, it's over. Well, there was a covenant. Another covenant was uh, uh, Noah's covenant, the covenant with Noah, where it, Jesus, or the, the Lord had flooded the earth. God had flooded the earth to get rid of all sin, and, and, and I'm, we're going to start all over, and he saved eight people. And so he made a covenant with Noah, and he said, I'll never flood the earth again. Never again. Well, that type of covenant, nobody else had to do anything. He just declared himself, that's it. It's going to be that way. And uh, Noah just had to stand there and say, okay, I like that. Good. I didn't, I didn't really, that flood was a bad deal anyway. So uh, that's good. But it, he didn't have to do anything. It was, it was good. Another covenant was Abraham. Where he told Abraham, I want you to go and leave your country and go to another place. Abraham obeyed him. He told Abraham to sacrifice his son. And Abraham was about to do that. And of course, God held his hand and said, no, you've proven, you've shown me your loyalty to me. That was the Abrahamic covenant. And what did he do with Abraham? He blessed him. Even today, uh, people are blessed because of Abraham. And then there's the covenant, the Mosaic covenant. I think Pastor Mike mentioned that last week. That's the covenant he made with the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. That's all the laws, 613 laws, Ten Commandments, that whole thing. We're pretty familiar with that. And that was the Mosaic covenant. And that one was a tough one. Because he said, if you do this, I'll do this. I'll bless you. If you don't, I'm going to curse you. Not just leave it alone. I'm going to curse you. Because he had pulled them out as a special people for him. So that covenant was the last covenant. That was the covenant that was in effect at the time when Jesus was on earth and up until the time of his death. And so this is what everyone sitting at that table knew. We know that covenant. And so when he said, this is a new covenant, it had to perk the ears a little bit. In Jeremiah, I want to say chapter 31, it was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah because we could see how the Mosaic covenant was crumbling, it was falling apart. God held up his end, we couldn't hold up our end. The Jewish nation could not hold up their end. He held up his all the time, never wavered. But the children of Israel crumbled. They just folded. Went into exile. Up until the time of Jesus, they had no country. They're living under Roman rule. Devastated. Devastated chosen people of God. Because the covenant fell apart. So when he's talking about a new covenant here, this had to be exciting. I think in order to help us all understand this a little bit, I'm going to go through this as quick as I can. <clears throat> The comparison of the Old and New Covenant. When it was established. The Old Covenant was established when, uh, in the book of Exodus, when uh, they are brought over uh, across the Red Sea at Mount Sinai, and he's given them that covenant then. The New Covenant, just what we talked about a few minutes ago, at crucifixion. That's when the New Covenant was established. Who did it involve? The Old Covenant, National Israel. 
New Covenant today, believers in Christ Jesus, Christians. We've got to remember back uh, when God instituted the Mosaic Covenant, he had nothing for Gentiles. If you weren't a Jew, you had nothing. You had no promises from God. You were just, he was a good God, and you just happened to enjoy his earth and the things that were produced by the earth, but he had no covenant with you. Who was redeemed from, what, was the, what were they redeemed from? The uh, Old Covenant, Egypt. Egypt was a type of domination, of bondage. What does the New Covenant release, what bondage does it release us from? Sin. Who's the mediator of the Old Covenant? Moses. Remember he went in between God and man, went up to the mountain, and people said, <laughs> we ain't going on that mountain, there's no way, you go up there. So he did. He was the mediator. Who's the mediator of the New Covenant? Jesus Christ himself. Ratified. How was it ratified? By the blood. The Old Covenant animals. Shedding the blood of animals. Covered your sin. Didn't get rid of your sin, covered your sin. Ratified blood by the New Covenant? Jesus Christ. Pure blood. Pure blood. Not contaminated. What were the promises offered on the Old Covenant? Prosperity, national security, become God's treasured people, God's treasured nation. How about the New Covenant? That's ours. That's when we're in. I just start off with eternal life. That's a good one. We, we can be called children of God. We can know God. We can know how God acts. We know how God would act if he's a man when he came to earth. That's what God would be like. Healing, doing good, setting people free. We have the law now written in our heart because the prophet Jeremiah says, uh, one day, prophesied, the Holy Spirit speaking through him, said, one day I'm going to write their laws in their hearts. No longer an outward law, it's going to be in their hearts. Also, another uh, New Covenant promise is we, we can be with God forever. And we can have forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Not just a covering of our sins, total forgiveness. What's the initiation of the sign of the covenant? The old covenant? Circumcision. Every male was circumcised. If you were a girl, you had a brother, he was circumcised. Your dad was circumcised. Your grandpa was circumcised. Your husband was circumcised. You were circled by circumcision. That was the sign of that covenant. What's the uh, initial sign, uh, initial, or the sign of the covenant, the new covenant? Conversion of our hearts inside of us. The true circumcision it talks about in the book of Colossians, it's our hearts have been uh, circumcised. We've cut off the evil from our hearts. We want a clean heart. <clears throat> The continuing sign of a covenant. And the old covenant would be observance of Sabbath days, special days, things like that. That said, we're in the covenant yet because I'm going, uh, uh, I observe the Sabbath. I don't eat certain foods. I do this and I don't do that. That's our continuing observance in the old covenant. The new covenant, new life of faith in Christ Jesus. Obligations. Uh-oh. Obedience to the law that was given through Moses. That was the obligation of the Old Covenant. Was that tough? Absolutely. It was a train wreck. 
Absolute train wreck. How about our obligations? Oh, uh, be perfect. Uh, that's it. Uh, just be perfect. Uh, oh, there's more. Uh, believe. Obey Christ. He's already made us perfect by his blood. We're already perfect by his blood. That's what the Bible says. He did that. We just got to believe it. We've got to believe how good he is, not how bad we are. We've got to believe it. We've been made perfect. What's our motivation for that? What would our motivation be to live like that? Love. He first loved us. The love that he gave us. If someone would love me that much and understand what he did at the cross, he took all my sins away, past, present, and future, can I generate some love here? Can I love him for that? If we, if we perceive the forgiveness of my sins as a freedom to sin, Paul talked about that in 6th chapter Romans. He said, God forbid, may it never be. Can't we rationalize and really think and understand that now I can now sin and it's going to be okay? The reasoning and the actions that put Jesus on the cross... I can go back to that? I don't think so. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about gratitude. We're talking about a devotion. We're talking about a love. If someone would do this for me and believe it, I'm going to follow him. Faith always obeys. Faith obeys. <clears throat> the duration of the covenant. In the old, the old covenant during the time of national Israel, and they had the temples and they had the Levites. That's, that's when it all worked. Just a few years after Jesus was crucified, there was an uprising. The Jewish people went against King Titus at that time of Rome, and they're going to bust out of this dominance by Rome. And they failed. They were scattered throughout the earth, had no country, no temple. The Levitical uh, tribe was all scattered. Every tribe was scattered. They never had a country again until 1948. Now they had a nation again. Now we can back, be back to being a people again. How about the duration of the new covenant? Eternity, forever, for all time, never end. Priesthood, that was the tribe of Levi, Aaron and his sons. Who's the priesthood of the new covenant today? Jesus Christ himself and his believers. You and I are priests now. We can be priests unto him. <clears throat> the high priest entering the presence of God. The high priest went in to the Holy of Holies once a year through this thick veil. By the way, it was ripped from the top to the bottom when Jesus died. When he said, it's finished, the veil ripped from top to bottom. 
The high priest went in there once a year, shaking and trembling with a cord around his foot. I just hope I don't die today because I'm going to the presence of God. And everything I do has to be perfect. It has to be right. And he had to have blood on him. He had to be carrying blood and sprinkle that blood on the altar, on the ark. Symbolically, once a year, and he offered the blood of animals. How about now? How about our high priest, Jesus Christ? He sat down in God's right hand forever, offering his own precious blood one time. The holy place where God can be worshipped. In the old covenant was the tabernacle in the wilderness. Remember that makeshift tabernacle that they had, that tent? Or then it graduated to the temple in Jerusalem. In the new covenant... The temple of the Spirit is us, our bodies. We are the temples now. And wherever believers are, today we're the temple. We're the temple. Commemoration. Well, they used to have the weekly Sabbath in the Old Covenant and their festivals. What do we have to commemorate this? The Lord's Supper, communion. In the Old Covenant, when they initiate the Old Covenant in the book of Exodus, I think it's 22 or Exodus 20, they sprinkle it on the people. And they sprinkle on the leaders, which were representing the people. And they sprinkle the blood on them. And said, now, we've got a covenant. That was external. That was on them. They could live out their lives following the law and have a wicked, despicable heart but they can follow the law religiously. The Lord's Supper, it's different. We take it internally. It's an inside job now. We swallow. We swallow that covenant. How close do you want to get? The Lord initiated that and said, I want this in you. Sacrifices that were made continuing offering animals' blood and food offerings as a reminder of sins in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant, you were always reminded of sin. It was all about sin. That's all it was about was sin. When you went and made your offering, I'm sinful. And after you made your offering and walked away, it didn't take long. Your conscience was ruined again. You were not free. They did that for thousands of years. You were not free. Yet you had the highest religion on earth at that time. Continually sacrificing. How about the sacrifice today? How about the new covenant sacrifice? One time. One time. All sin for all time. Past, present, and future. You might think, well, how can he do that uh, in the future? Well, he's not going on the cross again. No way. It's done. He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us right now. It's over. Sin's paid for. Well, you could preach on that for quite a while. It's over. He paid for your sin. Past, present, and future. And it also perfects us. When we have our sins forgiven... We're perfected. 
and it clears our conscience. Oh, that we would have a clear conscience. A clear conscience. And that turns into our response, which is a life of service to be a living sacrifice to him. I'm just about done here. The law. The Ten Commandments and 603 additional laws that cover your moral life, civil life, worship life, eating, adherence to numerous rules. Half of them are do's and the other half are don'ts. That was the old law. The new covenant? We fulfill the law of Christ by loving God and loving humans. That's it. That's how we fulfill the law. When Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, he, re, he revealed to the people on uh, listening to him the difference between the Old Covenant. They didn't know this. We can look back and see that. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. You know, they said, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you, have, you have said that you shouldn't kill. But I say you shouldn't even hate someone. It's the same as murder. Or if you, you say you shall not steal, but I say if you even covet it in your heart, it's a sin. But now the law of Christ is fulfilled. The new covenant that we have, the new covenant that he talked about when he held that wine up, we fulfill that how? By loving God and loving our fellow human beings on this earth. Now what's the contrast? Another contrast between the Old Covenant and New Covenant? The Old Covenant killed you. The Old Covenant just told you how sinful you were. It never patted on your back, on your back and said, that's a good job, you did a good job today. Never did that. Never rescued you for nothing. Just reminded you of your sin. And you were a slave to that sin. No way out. And you were never spoken, never talked about eternal life with the Old Covenant. That wasn't talked about. It was just talked about sin. How about the contrast with the New Covenant? The Spirit gives life in freedom. In the Old Covenant, it was a shadow of things to come. In the New Covenant, it's Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Jesus is the New Covenant. He is the new covenant. He embodies, <coughs> he embodies the entire two covenants. He's fulfilled the one. He's given us the other one. He's the one in between, the mediator of that covenant. It's complete in him. Now we had contact, we can have contact with him every day. If they're going to have contact with God in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, they had to go through a priest. The only way. We can pray any place now. We're free. Just in closing, there's only one covenant. Of all the religions in the world, all the beliefs in the world, there's only one covenant. There's just one. Through Jesus Christ. It makes it real simple when we can contrast 
the old and the new. Both were ordained by God, both set in motion by God. But we live under a new covenant today. And when we have communion, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate all the things that we have been proclaiming today of the new covenant. I would just want to close with, you know, assigning homework is never good. I mean, I, that's a bad confession. I probably shouldn't say that. But if you, if you want to get a hold of this in a real simple way, it's not like read the Bible in a year or something like that. Go to the Book of Romans and just make it a point in your life. I'm going to learn the Book of Romans if it takes me 20 years. I'm going to learn the Book of Romans. The Book of Romans is uh, the center of the gospel. It's the center of the Bible, really. And if you get a little tired of that and you want to know who you are, who you are in Christ, then go to either Ephesians or Colossians. It's real simple. Everything else draws to those books. There's two things we need to learn as believers. We have to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. We have to, we have to know what that is. And we've got to know what it means to be in Christ. And, I, and they, they both are our response to the new covenant. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. These are a lot of words that are said today, Lord, and, and what they need to do, Lord, is get to our heart. We have to understand this, Lord. We know the enemy confuses us. Uh, he would love to have this distorted, and he's done a wonderful job of distorting the good news of the gospel. And Lord, help us be aware of our own unsurrendered mind or unsurrendered soul. Lord, we know that we have an enemy within. In Galatians, it tells us that there is a bitter fight, a bitter war between our inner man, our spirit man, and our soul with our mind, will, and emotions. So, Lord, help us to clarify that. Help us to understand that, Lord. We walk in this newness of life, Lord, we can walk in this new covenant and experience it every day of our life. We thank you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.